useless woman. Optic camouflage, huh? I hope that's not your only trick. You... You doubt my power? Now, I will show you why I am the most powerful practitioner of psychokinesis and telepathy in the world. No, there's no need for words, Snake. I'm Psychomantis! That's right. This is no trick. It's true power. It's useless, I told you. I can read your every thought. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of PlayStation Pals, a video game podcast about all things PlayStation. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined by the solid snake to my liquid snake, John. How are you doing today, John? I'm fantastic, Nick. We, uh, we actually got some, some relevant news, some cool things to talk about today You know that we didn't think we were going to, so um, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, so here's the format of the show. We're going to get right into it. Uh, we each bring three things for a total of six things. They can be a video game we're playing, a, a topic, a Reddit thread, an email to PlayStation, PlayStationPalsPod at gmail.com, any of those things. So we're going to bring those things. We're going to talk about it. And what you just heard was a clip from the original Metal Gear Solid because we were planning on doing an entire episode based on our favorite boss fights. You know, we recorded on Friday last week. It was supposed to be a slow holiday week here in the States. July 4th is a holiday here. But that didn't stop news from happening. <laughs> so this, so we're going to do two news items, and then we're going to go and do our favorite boss fights. So a little bit of each, uh, each thing. Uh, but before we get to that, there were some things I wanted to talk about, some show notes here. Uh, mm. I wanted to thank our friend Jeff for updating the podcast art. You may have noticed, if you've been listening since the beginning, the art changed. It got a little more crisper. It got the title on there. And I just wanted to do a special uh, shout-out to Jeff for helping us with that. Yay, Jeff. You don't get a lot of uh, applause from me for most things, but in this one, well done, sir. Well done. Yeah. And then there were... Uh, some smaller news items before we get into the two big news items. I just wanted to mention that Forspoken, a game we talked about last week in our 2022 preview, got delayed out of this year already. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a good thing. I mean, honestly, I, I think that's a good delay, you know, being that Square Enix was uh, piling on the JRPGs this fall. So I think that was a good move. Yeah, yeah. So I, this is going to be a running theme in the show is like things that we talked about last week are going to be brought up again. Yeah. Um, and with Forspoken moving out, Valkyrie Elysium is moving in. Another JRPG from Square. It is coming September 29th. And then we talked about Ubisoft last week. Ubisoft's got things to talk about, and they're going to have a big event this uh September 10th, where they're going to talk about multiple games. So, you know, as we talked last week, John, we were hoping that Ubisoft would show what they're working on because we weren't happy with their current output. And sure enough, right after we record, there it is. Yeah, I wouldn't say my happiness level has changed, but at least we got, uh, <laughs> at least we got some more news. Yes. But on top of that, we got a megaton this week. The big, big news, again, something we talked about on, last, on, la on the last show, and John, what did we get? 
We got our release date for God of War Ragnarok. So, you know, talking as anybody who listened like last week knows, there's been all this kerfluffle among the internet people where, you know, it's, where's our date? Where's our info? It's getting close. You told us this year, blah, blah, blah. And uh, out of nowhere, Sony kind of just, you know, gave us the info we've been looking for. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, we got all the the release or the um, leaks and, and things last week where people were like, well, it's going to happen on the 30th. And then all this information came out a couple days before. And so it almost seems like Sony just wanted to be a little bit vindictive and just kind of <laughs> say, ha, 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 we have the power here, you don't, and like we're just going to drop it on a, ra- a random Wednesday, which which is fine, but just a little bit of information about it. Um, so November 9th is the date, uh, which is a Wednesday. That's a little odd because games usually drop on Tuesdays or Fridays. So it's a little weird that they're doing November 9th, but that is when we are going to get to uh, play the second game in this du- uh, duology. Is that what they call it? A trilogy with two things? Or I might, I might, be, I might be making up words, but... Uh, so that's when we're going to see the conclusion of the Norse saga for Kratos. Um, and then with this uh, date announcement, we were, uh, we were uh, given a 30-second CG trailer titled the Father and Son trailer, uh, which uh, I believe is the name of the Platinum tr- uh, Trophy in the first God of War 2, which is kind of a funny little uh, <laughs> Easter egg. But uh, only a 30-second spot. It didn't show too much. Um, just, you know, kind of Kratos and Atreus uh, working side-by-side, fighting, fighting your, your standard monsters. But at the end of the tra- uh, trailer, we did get a pretty awesome uh, stare-down between between our boy Atreus and Kratos with Fenrir, which is a giant wolf in Norse mythology, um, which, you know, I think that shot alone is very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what one of my, you know, I, I think God of War 2018 is, as I've said before, one of the greatest games ever made. It's, it's immaculate from top to bottom. But if I did have to nitpick it, uh, one thing that is a little bit of a, a sticking point for me is there wasn't a lot of that large-scale fighting that you would see in some of the previous entries in the series. You know, I think of the Colossus of Rhodes fight from God of War 2, the Hydra from God of War 1, Kronos from God of War 1, you know, and not to mention all the Olympians you take on in 3. So, you know, we obviously got, you know, the big dragon fight and you fought the same big troll a couple times, but I think they could have maybe done a little bit better job with having those big, imposed Using, um, you know, impressive scale uh, fights, and so here's hoping that that kind of points to that. Um, but you know, a couple other small notes. You know, Atreus obviously looks a little bit older, sounds a little bit older, um, which you know it, it works out perfectly because I'm sure the acting, the actor is aging, and uh, obviously the exact same way. So uh, I think that 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 looks and sounds good. But um, yeah, man, I'm just super super excited. You know, this is. Uh, I would say it's it's been the game that I've been looking forward to um, more than probably anything else, and you know just to have those fears of a potential push out of 2022 alleviated is is a nice feeling. So um, you know definitely definitely hyped about that. But um, yeah, what are your kind of initial thoughts, Nick? You know what did you you know any any takeaways from that, or was it kind of you know I got it I got it all covered there. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely got it all covered. I think you and me are in the same boat where we don't want to see much more of this game. We're, we're in. I think everyone's in. Uh, you know, 2018 got a war. It was game of the year. You know, it was incredible. It, it beat out Red Dead Redemption 2, right. you know. Uh, so it's an incredible game. We know the sequel is going to be awesome from what we've seen uh, at the Sony Showcase last year. So it was really nice that 
that we just got the CG trailer and enough of a tease with Fenrir uh, to whet our appetite. Obviously, they're probably going to show more uh, leading up to release here, but it was the perfect amount of information to get. And yeah, yeah the confirmation that it's coming November and early November. Um, I, it's perfect. As, me and John both submitted our time off. We're we're gonna be playing back out of this game. So. Yep, yep. Already already put the uh, you know the ear, into my wife's ear that you know there might be some nights I need a little bit of me time to to crush through this game because I, I really want to absorb myself in it and and you know see everything it has. But um, you know just a couple other small small pieces about it. Uh, pre-orders for the game go live uh, July fifteenth at ten a.m. Um, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, you know, if you're looking to uh, get your copy secured, that's the way to do it. I would never be a proponent of pre-ordering games, but, you know, uh, I would bet almost my firstborn that this game is going to be, you know, well worth the, the money, to, uh, the price of entry. So, you know, definitely probably going to want to jump on that. And then they also did kind of show um, two cool things, which was the unboxing, or I'm sorry, I guess it's one thing, but two different editions. They did an unboxing with the actor from that plays Thor in the game, as well as the art director of the series. So kind of showed off these two... Uh, you know, these two extra extra tiers of the game that you can get. So uh, with the collector's edition, they're throwing in a 16-inch Thor replica hammer. And then your standard, you know, collector's item stuff. You get your dices, your pins, your cloth map, things like that. Um, that comes with the collector's edition. And then the top tier edition is called the Jotnar edition, uh, which comes with the previously mentioned things, but also um, a 7-inch vinyl soundtrack uh, of the uh, of the game. Um, you know, and it comes in this really cool hidden compartment. Um, you know, I, I forget the name of the... They're almost like cabinets in the first game. You know, you kind of open yeah. up and they tell yeah. the story. You know, it looks like one of those. Um, you know, so it's really cool. Uh, one thing that I want to point out about this, though, <laughs> that I find very weird is they give you an awesome steel case, which, you know, some people have mixed feelings about steel cases. I think they look cool. Um, but... There's no disc in there, man. <laughs> they're not giving you the disc. They're, they're literally just giving you a code to download the game. And I know that's the trajectory of the industry, and we don't have to get into you know physical versus digital, but it is just a, a very interesting thing to note, and I believe the Horizon Collector's Edition did that as well. So, yep. you know, you know it's, it seems to be a, a trend, I guess, maybe going forward that Collector's Edition are going to come with that, but, like, honestly, that alone is just going to make me want to buy just the game because <laughs> I'm a physical guy myself, um, you know, so that, that's just a, a weird little thing to note. <laughs> Yeah, it's very. It's it, why even include it at all? What, what so you yeah. can physically show you have the game, but you don't actually have the physical edition. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess I imagine if you're if you're the kind of person that's willing to fork over a couple hundred bucks for a game just to have some of the the items, you know, you're probably a person that's interested in you know showcasing or or you know putting out things to display for friends family whatever so i could see some people wanting to just like kind of put the steel case out next like alongside their thor's hammer obviously because the thor hammer is going to be a centerpiece for somebody's uh setup so but yeah man i i think it's still just kind of a like why not give people the option you know if you want to have two skews for a collector's edition you could um you know, or, or whatever the case. It's just it's just a weird move. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then I just have one final question, Nick, that I want to ask you. Um, sure. You know, and I, I know we're gonna we're gonna have more Ragnarok talk 
talk coming up. Uh, but do you think this game has a chance of matching or exceeding the original, or do you think it's just going to be kind of like uh, more of the same? <laughs> yeah, well, hmm. it'll definitely be more of the same. But it could be better if they, like as you mentioned, if they can, if they channel that scale that God of War was known for before this like soft reboot. I think that could get more people into it and just new mechanics. I mean, I would if I don't have a firstborn son, but I would also bet my firstborn <laughs> son that that Mjolnir, the the Thor's hammer, is going to be a weapon you wield in this. Yeah. And if they can come up with some cool mechanics that use that. I, it definitely could be. Um, yeah, it's very hard for the second outing to be better than the first. There's not a lot of examples. I know Assassin's Creed 2 or in Mass Effect 2, but when you but have those such are, a... Those are building off of, like, you yeah. know, not, not perfect games already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, weaker showings. So yeah. it'll it'll probably review lower. It does seem like reviewers these days are a little more tepid, so they're a little less likely to give out the 10s that they used to. Yeah. Um, but... It very well could. It very well could. I, but I, I would say yeah. I bet a, I bet a ninety, which will just put it just under its, uh, sure, its well, previous scores. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. You know, I'm sure Sony's going to put out a state of play probably in a month or two leading up to the game. As we said, though, we're we're in. Don't need to see any more. And uh, yep. yeah, man, can't can't fucking wait. Yep, November 9th, Here we come. Yes. All right. So. Moving on to the next big news of the week. Again, such a slow week. And another thing that we talked about last week in our Ubisoft conversation was Skull and Bones. And uh, Ubisoft, first thing this week, said, hey, we're doing a showcase. We're doing it this Thursday. Uh, Come see the game. We're going to show it off. And uh, they did. They brought everything you'd want. Uh, They announced the release date. It is coming uh, November 8th, 2022. It is being developed by Ubisoft Singapore. Uh, they shut off gameplay of the game. It's a kind of a open world, but it doesn't have a campaign. Kind of very similar to Sea of Thieves. Um, they'll have 20 players on a server. They'll have PvP servers, PvE servers, uh, with the main goal of this game being to build your infamy, infamy up. And you do that by doing jobs and missions. Um, and with that, you can customize your ship, not only the weapon loadouts, uh, the furniture inside, the customization, but your character as well. Um, there are multiple unique ship types. There's going to be a faster ship. There's going to be a weapon ship that can hold more cannons. Um, yeah, it's just uh, there will be no third person uh, gameplay other than you'll be able to walk with your person in like these hubs, these pirate towns, these pirate dens. Um, yeah, so they showed off, you know, they had a CG trailer to start with, and then they had a, an interview with a few developers, and then they went into a larger gameplay trailer. Um, I know our we were kind of, and hopefully impress us with this game, because it's, it's been in development as reportedly as early as 2013, so it's been a while. Um, but John, what did, what did you think of everything they showed there? Um, I think it it has potential. I think it definitely is more of a niche product for a certain kind of gamer. Um, But I don't think it's what a lot of people were hoping for, especially after 10 years of delays or, you know, eight years of delays. As this was originally pitched 
as DLC to Assassin's Creed Black Black Flag in 2013. So you know, I think they did a, a you know a good job when it comes to the customizableness of the game. You know, building your crew, building your ship. But that's kind of things that you would come to expect in today's games, let alone a Ubisoft title. So you know, that's not surprising. I think the big thing that people were really hoping for is that there would be some sort of third party, or I'm sorry, third person camera gameplay combat you know thing. Where or maybe you can get off on an island, explore, get some treasure, some buried treasure, and take it back to your ship. But doesn't seem to be uh, what's happening here. Um, but you know, that being said, again, I, I think it'll hit good or hit. It'll be a good game for specific people. Uh, it's just not not my style, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, the ship combat was very fun in uh, Black Flag and uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, yeah. So they, they do good ship combat, but it'll be interesting how well they can make a game around just this concept. Um, will it be fun to be doing this for hours and hours as you're leveling up? Because yeah. I think the thing we were hoping for most was like a one-on-one with Sea of Thieves. You know, you can walk around your ship, you can, you know, interact with it, you can jump off your ship, swim, board another ship, attack other right. people. Uh, but the, unfortunately, the game doesn't have it. and. I guess that's what we should have expected, given what the ship combat was in the previous titles. But you did board other ships. Like in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I remember boarding other ships and uh, killing people on them. So, Yeah. I mean, it's possible that they, you know, they have some more tricks up their sleeve. You know, they got a couple months to release and, you know, they may have another deep dive. It's just, I don't know, man. I mean, if they say, did, did they really say there's no campaign in uh, the game? Yes. So IGN yeah, had a... Had an, uh, seven things from seven notable things from the presentation today, and yeah, the no campaign was the the front and center. Uh, That's option. rough, man. Because I know they also said too that you know everything in the game can be played by a single per, you know, uh, by a uh, individual. You don't have to team up with other people, and it's just like again, who, how is it? Is, how is that not going to become? very stale for a person where you're just going into your ship you know it they you okay you have your cannonballs you have your fire and you have your mortars and that's it like i mean i'm sure there's more i'm sure there's going to be ways to customize all that stuff but i just can't see how that could hold interest for a long time (laughs) you know especially when you're (laughs) really you're releasing the game a day before god of war you're releasing (laughs) it a month after call of duty it almost seems like Ubisoft is is just kind of sick of having this game on their books, and they just they just want to get this behind them. And if you know some people have fun, great, but like we're not going to try and make this the next big thing. Is yeah. what it seems like to me. Yeah, yeah it, it has the bonus of being a, a unique gameplay mechanic. There's not a, a ship, you know, pirate game out there that's well, see if these is like this, but not not that one so yeah. focused on the ship to ship combat. And well, this that's is, what's a bummer, though. That's that's the problem. It's like <laughs> you, you guys have this open this open genre, this open area uh, to explore, and it just seems like you're taking this either the safe way out, or you ran out of money, or it you know it just doesn't seem it seems half baked. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is a live service game, so you know just like Sea of Thieves, that kind of caught steam as more and more updates got to it. I, I imagine this game will be in the same boat. It'll be. It'll be forgotten in November because, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, all these other big games are coming out around it. But, I mean, if 
one thing Ubisoft does is they stick with their games. Assassin's Creed Valhalla is still getting DLC. You know, it's they true. turn things around for Rainbow Six Siege. So even if this comes out a, a lukewarm, if, there, if there's some solid bones there and Ubisoft's committed to, uh, you know, pouring more money into it, more updates, you know, it could it could have the you know after year one it might be a really really amazing game to play they could they could introduce the you know third person combat uh on foot mm-hmm. combat and all that stuff mm-hmm. to it so that that's a good point i mean that is that is a good point ubisoft does like to uh you know keep their things alive as long as they can i just i get the feeling this is going to be more of a riders republic and less of a like division two you know thing where it you know you have riders republic which tackles extreme sports and people who like extreme sports are going to get into it but people who aren't like that it's not a game for me at all like there's no way that anybody would want to play that and kind of the same thing here you know do you like slow methodical combat as opposed to twitchy first person shooters maybe this would be cool i just don't think it's it's gonna achieve that level of um you know the public's mind share that you know they're hoping to get where twitch streamers are going to be you know all about it this 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 reeks of a game that they pay a bunch of twitch streamers 50 grand on the first week to play and then the second week nobody's playing it so <laughs> yeah yeah you know. but but again i think that was sea of thieves trajectory too so if, mm-hmm. if they can stick with it maybe there'll be a great game there eventually so Nick is the glass half full of the podcast. <laughs> I am the glass half empty, uh, and that probably won't ever change, you know, going forward. But yeah. uh, I, I did want to say one other thing about this game that I find interesting, mm-hmm. uh, and this is, you know, I, I don't think this has ever really been confirmed. So, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I did stumble across an article from uh, July twentieth, twenty twenty one, so almost about a year ago today, that says uh, Ubisoft is still making Skull and Bones because a deal with the Singapore government won't let it die. And upon reading the article a little bit further, it seems like Ubisoft Singapore has accepted some subsidies from the Singapore government or something along those lines. Um, you know, rumor has it they've spent upwards of $120 million on this game. And so there might be a reason, that might be a reason why this game feels a little half-baked is, you know, they've tried to restart this project a couple times now. Uh, the government of Singapore obviously wants to see something produced because they are expecting some sort of return. And, you know, if they've gotten to this point, they might just be saying, you know what, we got to get it out, you know, and we're just kind of tired of it. But we got to get Singapore what they need. And, you know, I don't know the political ramifications, the ins and outs of all those kind of deals. I just saw that article, found it pretty interesting and, you know, uh, might shed a little bit of light onto why this game isn't a little more polished after the amount of time they've spent on it. So it's just something to kind of make note of. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to keep our eye on it. And, you know, as as it comes out and it's good, you know, maybe we might try it. Or maybe it'll come to the PlayStation Extra tiers and then... Oh, I bet it will. <laughs> I bet you will. I mean, even if not, man, it's a Ubisoft game. So give it two months, it's going to be 20 bucks. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we'll have our eye on it. Um, So let's move back on track to the original plan here, and we're going to kind of talk about our most memorable boss fights. Uh, Just to highlight a few boss fights that we came away with remembering as being a great experience, a great boss fight. And uh, John, do you want to go ahead and kick us off with uh, the first boss fight that is memorable to you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it was kind of interesting, you know, doing this because, you know, something I realized as I was thinking about what what boss fights stick out to me or, you know, what immediately comes to the front of my mind is this, is that, 
you know, a lot of boss fights really are just kind of the same thing, you know, where it's just, hey, this is an enemy with higher HP, this, you know, and so you get to use, you know, your high damage attacks, or you find the, the specific weakness, and, you know, and those can be fun, those can be cool, but, you know, what really sets apart a boss fight that just is memorable, and it doesn't necessarily have to be something, you know, super gameplay complex related or anything like that, it's something that, you know, as you said when you introduced this topic, something that makes an impact, and so... One of the first ones that I thought for me um, is actually a game that I played the remake of. I never got to, I never had the chance to play the original. I think I was maybe just a little bit too young for it. It didn't really speak to me, but that's Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, and anybody who knows this game knows that the only enemies in the game are the Colossi themselves. There's 16 of them, I believe. And the one that stuck out the most for me was Phalanx. Um, which is the flying dragon sandworm uh, boss that you encounter in the desert. And, you know, when I first, we first started playing through this game in the remake, you know, you kind of get introduced to the mechanics. You realize that every boss is a puzzle. You know, you have to figure out how to get on top of this thing, how to climb it. There's specific weak points of the enemies uh, that you need to find. And, you know, I'm going through the game and I'm like, okay, this is really, really cool. I am climbing these, you know, towering creatures or, ooh, maybe I found one that hides in a cave and I got to figure out how to, you know, bait it out of the cave. And again, you know, really examining the puzzle element of it all. And then, and then I came across this one, Phalanx. And you see it, and it's it's flying way above you, and, and you're just thinking, well, what am I supposed to do? Is there a cliff I need to find? Do I need to jump on it? And you just kind of start looking at the at the boss, and you you realize underneath him he's got these balloon-looking things, and you shoot it with your bow and arrow, and it gets a little lower, and you're like, okay, I'm onto something. So you shoot it again, it gets a little bit lower until you get the the uh, dragon to basically put its fins into the desert and kind of like graze along the sand as you're riding your horse next to it and you realize, oh, I can jump on these fins and you jump on the fins and then when you do, the thing takes off and all of a sudden you're miles above the desert and the, the music is so beautiful. It's, it's uh, orchestral, violins, cellos, you know, this beautiful melody that starts to play as you're, you know, twisting and turning above the deserts and you're kind of, you know... Um, one of the things with all the Colossi is they have this like hair type thing on them that basically signifies this is where you can grab on. This is where you can you can uh, keep hold because they're trying to obviously get you off and not die. And I just it was such a memorable experience because you know up to that point in the game there was nothing like it. Uh, there was, I believe, one other flying uh, tight or uh, Colossi, but it, it wasn't the same sense of scale. It was kind of more a little confined. And so, you know, you're, you're trying to hang on for dear life. You're crawling along the back of the spine of this thing, trying to find the next weak point. He's, he's doing barrel rolls, trying to throw you off. Um, again, all the while, this, this you know, beautiful music's taking place. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those moments where I just, you know, you really appreciate the design of a game and not needing to overcomplicate things, but simply changing it up a little bit, figuring out a way to keep you on your toes and just have a new experience, you know, that's outside of anything you've ever, you know, had before. And, you know, for a game whose only enemies are these, these creatures... You know, I think it was just the highlight, you know, by and f by far and away in that game, and mm -hmm. really transformed it into, um, you know, a, a very memorable experience. And you know, the story is something that people also like to praise a lot about Shadow of Colossus. You know, if anybody's played it, you know, there's a big twist at the end. I won't spoil it. Um, 
but like this one, this 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 gameplay part of, of the game for me just really stuck out and yeah. um, really cemented itself as, as one of yeah one of the better ones that I've played for sure uh, in my in my thirty years of playing video games. Yeah, yeah, that's a very great game and a great boss fight to highlight. Uh, the whole game is how is a great showcase of how very simple design. Like the only tools at your disposal are your horse, your bow, and your sword. Right. And so you're not doing anything crazy when you meet these bosses, but it is incredible to pull up on a boss and just show just how a sense of scale impacts everything. Yeah. Um, the boss is just flying in the air. The music hasn't changed. It's still this somber music playing. And you're just watching it fly, and there's just like as we talked about with like Death Stranding, this kind of weird catharsism and just mm-hmm. watching this giant beast exist. And it's not until you, you know, you look at it and you realize that it's got highlighted big white balloons that it's flying on that you're like, well, I only have a bow, so I have to shoot those because I have no other options here. There's no structures to climb on that will reach as high. Mm-hmm. And just again, just having the you know, shoot those, and then the second the thing goes in the sand and you're coming up on it with your horse, the music's ramping up, and the, this big beast, which was high in the sky, is now next to you, and it still has this sense of scale. It's huge compared to you and your horse. And it just, it's just a great example of, you know, some of these the game designers, like, don't, don't overcomplicate these things. Just, you know, just make it a cool experience that you're going to remember forever. You know, don't don't. It doesn't have to be a giant puzzle or anything. Just keep it simple. And again, it's a it's a boss fight. We're still talking about this. Is uh, Shadow of the Colossus is an old game, and here we are talking about this this all the bosses really, but particularly this boss fight is just being so incredible and memorable. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely a testament to to the boss design and everything in that game too because like that game I don't know about you Nick that game handles like shit <laughs> it's very it's, it's very clunky you know it, everything you, you you when you stab the monsters you know you have this bit you raise your arm real high and it just takes a long time and it just feels kind of gross but you're you're not playing it for that reason and I'm a gameplay first kind of guy you know you just can't help but look away from this these these creatures that you're you know that you were watching one moment in the air fly above you and now oh crap I'm on top of it right. um, you know really well, uh, really something special I wonder if it's like one of those things like with Resident the original older Resident Evils that the controls the tank controls you had to turn your guy to face a direction and then walk <laughs> like they added to like the, the, the tension in the game because yeah. you're, you weren't as in control and maybe that's kind of what uh, you know maybe not you or but maybe that's why people like it is your character feels a little more not as in control, so these boss fights can be a little more intense, a yeah. little more scary, because you're not in per- perfect control of your character. I don't know if that was their intention, but just a thought I had when you had mentioned that. No, I, I think that's yeah. I think that there could definitely be some truth to that. It is, you know, it is funny when you when you're grabbing onto this thing and it turns over, and then your guy just kind of ragdolls all over the place. <laughs> yeah, you, you really never do truly feel like you're in control, and that's yeah, probably to the benefit. <laughs> Yeah, so what do you, yeah. But what you got, Nick? All right, so yeah, moving on. I am going to go into the Batman Arkham series. And the Batman Arkham series has had a lot of incredible boss fights, but I think most people will agree that it was the Mr. Freeze fight in Batman Arkham City that was really memorable. And uh, 
The fight, the fight, the, the setup of the fight is pretty simple. You're stuck in a room with Mr. Freeze and you got to take him down. You've done this to a hundred bad guys like him uh, between Arkham Asylum and Arkham City up to this point. And when you start using your moves on him, you're knocking him down. You're like, ah, I gotcha. And you're beating him up. And then when you go to perform the move again, he's not allowing you to do it. So if you took him down using a window, he's freezing that window over. If you took him out, took him from a great takedown, he freezes all the greats. If you're using one of your gadgets to get to him, he'll remember that gadget's audio cue and he'll now start dodging it. So now you're getting challenged here as a gamer. Maybe you were playing the whole game and you're only using one to three to four takedowns to take down these run-of-the-mill thugs. But now you have to use all of them to to get to him because with every takedown you use, you're, that's one less option to use on the next takedown. And it's just a really smart game design because I don't know about you, John, but even in like stealth games like Metal Gear Solid 5 that you know give you a wide array of tools or a Devil May Cry game or a Bayonetta game where you're given infinite amount of combos, just as, a, just as myself, I kind of get in these loops because they work, right? Yeah, I'm using the same the same takedowns, the same ways to take down all these enemies. So I wanted to highlight this fight because that's what it did. It challenged how you played the game, and once you fi- once you figured it out, it was it was not that bad of a fight. But it was just a cool to sit there and be like, oh shit, one less option. Oh god, and then one less option. Like, oh what did, what else did the game show me how to take down these guys? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. As I did, as the fight itself and then just as that mechanic in a in a game yeah it's it's uh definitely the strong suit of that fight is the is the design of it all rocksteady did a great job um you know utilizing the things that they've taught you throughout the game like everything you said um but you know kind of to answer your question a little bit earlier yeah it's i i get i definitely get into those those rhythms with a game you know i think of you know to this day god of war the first like the, the first one right square square triangle square square triangle square square triangle <laughs> that's what you do like you, you know although you're getting you know these different powers from different gods throughout the game it's like i don't i don't want to use that i'm just gonna square square triangle or <laughs> yeah. or horizon forbidden west a game that i just platinumed i did i did every trophy in the game I don't think I used a trap once. And Nick and I had a conversation about that, you know, that, you know, he's like, oh, I love traps. Like, they do so much damage. I'm like, yeah, well, I don't need them, so I'm not going to worry about it. And so, you know, it's a really, really, like I said, a testament to Rocksteady that they're going to, you know, force you as the player to really think back and really use the environment to your advantage. Because in this fight, you know, there's there's ways to get into a grate underneath the floor that you have to pop out and surprise Mr. Freeze. You have to use your, what is it, the, like the back goop that explodes. It's basically C4, right, on the other side of a wall. That explodes. Or, you know, you can probably speak to the, the level of the different ways to take him down better than I can. But... Um, you know, I, the Batman Arkham series is definitely one I've been wanting to go back and replay because I, I think I played them, you know, at least Asylum before I was really truly, I would consider myself a quote-unquote gamer. And Arkham City, it was kind of right when I started to, to get there, and which is the game that Mr. Freeze is in. So I, I think I would come have a, a larger appreciation for it now that I've seen so much different game design and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, how certain teams do it and how certain teams don't to really appreciate it. But I, I think that that is a definitely a great one to highlight yeah yeah and i think like in uh bringing it back to horizon forbidden west i think that was the point of the hunting grounds was 
was even though it was an optional thing, you didn't have to do it. But if you were going for the platinum, you did have to do them. And when you do it, it's like, oh, I can do <laughs> this and I can do this. I can shoot weapons off of some of the dinosaurs and then use them against them. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, use the, all these different weapons. That the, you know, I forget what is the, the one that throws the disc and brings it back. Yeah, uh, we'll just say slingshot because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's not the slingshot. The slingshot yeah, yeah. is another weapon. But right, right. Yeah, but these games they give you so much ways to do what you want to do, and it is nice that you can kind of figure out what you like best, and and it's great that you can use that throughout the game. But it's also nice to highlight those things and maybe force you to do them, so so you can you know expand your gameplay experience. Maybe you know. Yeah. You can, the next encounter, you're like, oh, I see uh, this electricity box over here, and I can shoot it with Batman's electric gun, and now I can electrocute any foes that are near it, you know? So, yeah. You know, especially because at the beginning of a lot of these games, they're just throwing all this at you, like, you know, all this information. It's like, it's hard to even remember that you could do that in the first place. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, yeah, so it's a pretty special boss fight because, like I said, you know, as, as gamers, we're kind of creatures of habit and this is a a nice fight that has to break that habit so doesn't uh doesn't mr freeze in the beginning of the fight he's like you can't get me and then you beat the crap out of him and at the end he's like here take my weapon i want to help you (laughs) yeah there's something silly like that yeah (laughs) i thought that was kind of funny video games (laughs) yeah yeah exactly here's the next tool you need for the next area yeah yeah so uh moving on uh john what's the what's the next boss fight so not to be you know, uh, uh, repeating myself too much on this show and talking of God of War nonstop. And I, I think I mentioned the stranger fight a couple times, but you know, the stranger fight in God of War 2018 is the first fight I think I think about when I, when I think of boss fights done well, you know, the, it just sets the tone of the game beautifully. You know, the game's it's it's very very early on in the game, right? You haven't even really started to explore outside of the the very first area, and you know you get this knock on the door with somebody basically saying, "Hey, I know you're in there." And you're like, "What the heck?" Well, I, you know, I know Kratos. He used to be a Roman god, and now we're in this strange land, so nobody should know who I am. Nobody should know that I'm here. And this guy's knocking on my door, basically saying, "Come on out. I have to like a bone to pick with you." And then you, you know, you come out, you see just a regular, regular dude with some tattoos kind of standing in front of you, you know, talking about how, you know, he found you and, you know, you're, you're supposed to be so much more enlightened than my kind are. And you're just like, wait, what is happening? Um, and then he starts to hit you and he's not doing anything. He's just knocking your feet. You know, he's like basically giving you a little bitch snacks. And it's not until he really pushes Kratos, so Kratos hits him, and he's like, ah, finally, okay. And then he hits Kratos, and and Kratos flies over a house and smashes through the house, and, you know, the camera stays on Kratos the entire time. Camera never breaks, which is, you know, one of my favorite things about that game. Um, But it, it just, it's such a powerful moment because, you know, you, you think you know at the start of this game, you know, what Kratos, you know, what kind of a journey Kratos is going to have. He's going to go, probably go to Hades again, probably have to fight out of Hades, fight some monsters, fight some big things. You know, you're not going to really be threatened by this humanoid creature or, you know, guy that's just kind of coming to your doorstep. And the way that they subvert your expectations and kind of really 
you know, mess with you a little bit, like, oh crap, who is this guy? You know, it really starts to make you ask questions, you know, and, and approach the boss fight not just from a gameplay standpoint, but from a narrative standpoint, you know. Who is he? Why do you know who I am? You know, are you an are you a Norse god? Obviously you're super strong, or or are you somebody who followed me here? You know, and as the fight's going on too, there's certain things that are being talked about, you know. Um, the stranger keeps mentioning, Oh, I see two beds in your house, who are you hiding from me? You know, what are you keeping in there? Why you know it's it seems like he's looking for something and so Kratos obviously knows that oh crap he's looking for my son and it just really sets the groundwork for this story that's going to be told throughout the game uh, in such a such a satisfying way to get you to mm-hmm. you know involved in the fight and you know and it has everything that makes a great God of War fight too you know it's I think at one point you basically punch a tree over use the tree as a baseball bat and hit, hit, hit the stranger you throw him into a gigantic boulder punch the boulder away with your fist and crush him with it you know you think the fight's over you walk away the guy raises and lifts the boulder throws it at you you smash it's just everything you like about a visceral god of war fight even you know up until the way it ends with you know twisting a neck covered in blood it's just fantastic from top to bottom and you know and and also another small thing about it is the voice acting you know it's uh the strangers played by jeremy davies who i think is one of those actors that you know everybody recognizes but not a lot of people know his name um you know he's in saving private ryan lost twister justified you know he's somebody that i think you would see, you would recognize if you typed his name in you know he he voice acts he, he his voice acting is is amazing uh during the whole thing and throughout the whole game you know and even when the fight ends you know you still have questions you know did i kill him who what you know it what why is he chasing me down and just really you know gets you invested into the story uh, and blows you away from the start, man. Like, it's just it's just such a good tone setter and really, really uh, special fight in a special game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you highlighted Jeremy Davis because I think his... Jeremy Davies. His... Because yep. his performance is what really sells this. It just... As the in the clip that we shared last week, like that voice is so grating and so mm-hmm. obnoxious. And if you haven't seen the stranger, he's a very skinny, very small Norse man, uh, especially compared to Kratos. Like, so you know, he's like goading you on, and you're in, if you've played the previous God of War games, you're screaming at your TV, like, I'm the motherfucking God of War. <laughs> I, right. I took down all the, the entire pantheon of Greek gods. And Titans, and this who guy, this, yeah, who are you? This little tiny guy is going to come and mess with me? Like, no, 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 come on. And then just have the, to have the fight escalate over and over, and you're just, right. you're really beating the shit out of him, and still he's goading you. He's, he's, he's just really getting under your skin, and, um, the, the he's talking it, about how, like, I can't feel anything. Like, oh, I thought you'd make me feel something. Like, oh, you're pretty, you're just a weak little bitch. And just, right. like, just so angry. <laughs> right. And, yeah, you're just throwing everything out of him. You're going into Spartan Rage. You're using all the mechanics. Like, this is very early on in the game. So the, the fight itself is not very, uh, like, hard. But you still are using a lot of mechanics. Like, you know, this, the, the counter Par- mechanic. Yeah, parry. Uh, using stuff like that. But... It's just, again, it's like the mechanics here are so simple, but because of the music, the scale, the, the performances, it's just, it's a memorable fight. It's just like, oh my God, what just happened to me? What, yeah. Like, and this is the beginning of the game. This is within the first hour this fight occurs. So it's like, you're in. I was like, wow, it can only get crazier from here. Cause I just, 
I just fought a skinny dude and it destroyed my house. So, right. <laughs> or like at the end of that fight, they're like clutching, you know, they're like pushing against each other with their hands and like their feet are digging into the earth and the earth starts to separate and you really get a sense <laughs> for like, oh my God, like just how strong these two are and, and uh, you know, how do we, how do we get even crazier than this for the next 25 hours of this game? And, you know, it's, uh, it really is, uh, I, I don't know how you top a fight like that in the sequel. But I hope there's there's something on that level of just, you know, like, what the hell? Like, I didn't think this was possible in a fight. And, again, with the single camera shot, I just love how the camera just is constantly revolving around them. And, you know, it never takes you off of Kratos. You know, you fly up into the sky. He, sh- he shoots you down into a cavern or into, like, a, a ravine. You climb back up. Um, you know, it's just everything just keeps ratcheting up. It's so, so good. Yeah, the work is cut out for not only the development team at Sony Santa Monica, but also Ryan Hurst, who is playing Thor in this game. Yeah. He is, he is going to have to match the perfor- this performance. And uh, he does talk over the back of the, the Sony Showcase trailer of last year, and it does sound very good, so I, I'm 100% sure he's going he's gonna to nail the performance. But oh, this, yeah. the, the bar has been set uh, by this fight. Absolutely. All right. So moving on, I'm going to highlight a PS5 exclusive from last year, uh, Returnal. Uh, Returnal is a third-person roguelike coming from Housemark Studios, who have done a few PlayStation games. Um, and it was the one of the big PS5-only releases of last year. You can not play it on PS4. Um, and throughout the game, it's kind of a third-person bullet hell uh, so all the bosses, all the enemies you fight, you giant orbs uh, that just fly at you and they can do all kinds of crazy things. But uh, I did want to highlight one of the boss fights in that, and that is Hyperion. Now, Hyperion appears in Act 4 of the game. Uh, when you get into Act 4, there's kind of like this music playing over the background, and it has a some kind of personal connection to uh, the player-controlled character, Celine. So she keeps freaking out about this. What is this music? What's happening? Uh, and as you're walking through the level, if you're using the 3D audio, it's kind of like the 3D audio is always coming from this one center location. So you got this nice little buildup of, oh, man, what am I going to see? What, I'm get- what am I getting into? So, and then when you finally get through the level, it is this really monstrosity, alien-looking thing. He's playing on a giant, what looks like a church organ, and he's got tentacles attached to all of these things. And what happens next is a big boss fight with this music playing in the background over and over. The monster's playing this music and just shooting every type of orb at you. Blue orbs, green orbs, red orbs. The screen is just filled with lights. So it's just a memorable fight, a memorable build-up to the fight, and then a memorable fight in a game of a bunch of boss encounters uh, that really stuck out to me. Again, I don't think anything really crazy or mind-blowing from a combat encounter is going on. In fact, the fight in the game is not very hard. I don't don't think I died at all. I beat it on my first run uh, Mm. at this boss. But again, the atmosphere, the enemy design, the, the combat and the music all build to just this memorable fight that sticks with a lot of people. In fact, that, you know, they did a big, uh, if you look on Sony's PlayStation blog, they did a whole article about the design of that fight, which is a very interesting read. Um, and again, it it's kind of sticks to the theme of all these memorable boss fights that it just, 
there doesn't have to be really a unique mechanic to make it memorable. It just everything around it, surrounding it, uh, artistic design, music design can contribute to a fight that you'll remember forever. Um, John, what did you think of this fight when you when you got to it? Oh, ab- absolutely amazing. Um, you know, everything you said, definitely on point. It's, you know, I think Housemark is one of the most underrated developers out there. I was very, very excited when Sony uh, purchased them as a first-party team because I've played a lot of their games in the past, and they're a little more niche titles, but I knew what they were capable of, and Returnal really blew it out of the water. Um you know, with this boss specifically as well, where you yeah you, you enter this arena and, and as you said, just to see this, you know, Returnal's gross, right? It's it's a, there's tentacles. It's it's it seems like you're in this just horrible horrible place, and so you see this monstrosity playing the piano, and like obviously you know you're gonna fight it, but the music just happening in the background is is so so good. And, um, you know, I'm a little vague when it comes to the story of Returnal. That's something I wish it hit a little bit better of. But something I read that is interesting about this fight is apparently there's a theory out there that Hyperion is your dad. uh, Because there's a a certain flashback that Celine has where she's playing the piano. And she says that she learned everything she could, she did from her father uh, with the piano. And so just kind of a a funny little thing there. You know, I kind of gave up on trying to uh, digest the story and and understand it. (laughs) it is so obtuse but um you know if that is true if there is something there that's kind of a little bit of extra extraness to it um but yeah that that whole every boss fight in that game is great uh you know just the the fast-paced twitchy shooting nature of it it controls so well you do exactly celine does exactly what you want her to do at every single moment in that game um you know and uh you you know it's one of those games that you never have anybody to blame but yourself for when you screw up so that's always a, a very good um you know feeling when you're playing a game something that FromSoft, you know probably the undisputed kings of boss fights have really fine-tuned and nailed is you never want to feel that you got gypped out or that you got cheated and uh hyperion does that every every enemy in returnal does that is you know you never you never feel like you got screwed so um you know i can't wait for what Housemark does next. You know, it's nice now to know that they were able to uh, figure out how to, they want to interact in a 3D space because typically in the past they're more twin stick shooter guys, Dead Nation, Alien Nation. Um, you know, I think uh, they did um, oh, Super crap. Stardust. Super Stardust and Next Machina, things like that. So, um, you know, really, really kind of put their vision. Uh, you know, into the 3D space, and it worked out perfectly. It was so, so good. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Sony bought them right after the game came out. Or was <laughs> right. it, I think it was after, right? I believe that was... Yeah, I think it was right after, because I was like... I think there was people that were a little bit nervous that Returnal was a failure, you know, because mm-hmm. it wasn't... It was a little... It's, it's you know, again, Housemark, niche developer, weird title, not sure what this is, you know, and it didn't sell more than... You know, a million copies in its first month or two, which is good, right? But it's not what you would expect from a first-party team. So, like, I think there were some people saying, well, I, you know, I don't know. Is, is this the end of Housemark? And for Sony to come in and say, like, no, we are very, very pleased with this game. Uh, so much so that we want to buy the team. Uh, really speaks to the quality of the game, I think, and the quality of that team. And, um, you know, it's... it's uh, you know, they're one of those untouchables for me where everything they like, I will play a game just because they're the ones behind it. So, yeah, um, yeah good stuff, man. Yeah, great boss fight, great controls, just everything about it. 
fantastic. And it, uh, Returnal is on the PlayStation Plus Extra tier, so if you are mm-hmm. interested in trying it out, uh, I my only advice is to stick with it. You know, yes. it's, it's going to get very frustrating, but you become a badass very quickly. You'll you'll learn all the enemy encounters, and uh, yeah, it was it's an incredible game. Yeah, def- definitely stick with it. Being that it's roguelike in nature, so you're going to die a lot. You're going to restart a lot and have to regain what you've gotten. But I think that's to the strength of the game. Um, and I do want to say, Nick, before we go, because I can feel us starting to wrap up, special shout-out, honorable mention to basically every From Software boss. <laughs> it, was, it was really hard to, you know, I was thinking about this, and that's uh, obviously, you know, where my mind kind of went, Bloodborne, one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, but when I, when I kind of, what I kind of said in the started this in uh, segment is that you know I really wanted to highlight something that felt unique something that you know uh, didn't feel like other things and as amazing as from software bosses bosses are they can tend to kind of fall into a couple different categories you know whether it's a night boss who's you know big hulking sword kind of guy or you know just like a massive weird creature that you would come across in bloodborne so you know not to say that none of those you know some of those are as good as these bosses it's just I can't, I can't nominate 100, so I'm not going to nominate any. That's kind of how I feel. But <laughs> yeah, just wanted I, a special shout-out to those guys. I appreciate your restraint because yes. at least you picked boss fights that I had actually played. And that was a, yes. Because <laughs> if you picked any from software boss, I would have just been like, well, how does he differ from the other bosses? You know, I would have no like, clue. Oh, he doesn't. He's just really cool looking. <laughs> or, and, oh, and the other thing with FromSoft bosses, too, is I, I felt like I would run into an issue where it's like, is it memorable because it's amazing? or is it memorable because he killed my ass 50 times and I finally beat him and so I felt great um, but yeah Nick Nick, uh, as you guys will find out just needs to get good as they say and finally yes. play a FromSoft game but he refuses so you know we'll see I maybe if they update Bloodborne because I feel like that's the game that, yes, that has, turned, the game. has turned a lot of people so maybe if Bloodborne gets either a remake or a just a PS5 remaster uh that I might I might jump in then. Uh, oh, you but. will because I'm gonna I'm gonna berate you until you can't take it anymore <laughs> until you play that game. All right. Well, here it is. I will try it if it, if that if those if those things happen. So. All right. All right. All right. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> all right. Well, that's six things. We did it again. I'm expecting next week to be news on everything we talked about because that seems to be the cadence. Because <laughs> if we if we talked about it, there will be a news item about it next week. So expect returnal news. Uh, I don't know what. There's not going to be like Shadow of the Colossus news, unfortunately. Uh, that, dude, that it's PS5 remake, man. It's, it's just like four years old at this point. Remake it again. But maybe there'll be some uh, Gotham Knights news next week because uh, we true. talk about Arkham City. So. Uh, That's true. But uh, speaking of roguelikes, we're going to end you on a song from a roguelike. John, do you want to mm-hmm. talk about our ending Ooh. song here? Oh, another another great one. Uh, yeah, it's uh, "In the Blood" from Hades, which is the end credits song um, where uh, when you finally beat Hades, I believe for the tenth time, and you get credits rolled. And uh, I, I could talk for hours about this game, but I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> no, what, what's the best boss in Hades? Keeping it on our memorable boss encounters. Uh, it's, it's probably Theseus and. Uh, and our our tier, I can't remember the the Minotaur's name. Arcturus, I can't remember, but you know probably those two. You know because yeah. he's such a smug little bitch, and you, when you finally beat him, <laughs> uh, you know it feels good. And and uh, you know and it's probably the hardest fight in the game as well. So you know getting past that hurdle is, is yeah. a good feeling. He, he uh, is yeah. he is the stranger of Hades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just Shut goading you all, man. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, you. Yeah, there's a lot of fu's when you beat that guy for the first time for sure. Right. Like, <laughs> 
So, all right. We'll leave you with that. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We will be back next week with another episode. We'll see you then. Take care, guys. guys. was the winner after all. That's right. Until the very end, Liquid thought he was the lesser clone. No, sir. No one knows that you were the third one, 
Solidus. Yes. Thank you. Goodbye, Mr. President. <laughs>